Kel, you remember how all the time back in the day we used to watch some good old SVU at my yeah. grandma's house and stuff. Yeah. So Richard Belzer, who played John Munch, passed away. And I thought it'd be really good to just talk about some of the good old times with SVU in Mike's remembrance because I don't really watch SVU like that anymore, I'll be honest. Um, I don't live on TNT 24-7. But no, yeah. I really did always have some good like I really just remember good times, like good episodes of just watching blatant police brutality and you know police propaganda, as long as you're aware that that's what Dick Wolf's doing. And thing, how, how since you know we didn't talk about it all the time, which was just on TV. How do you actually right. feel about SVU? Do you so, remember some of the episodes, things like that? Here, I I watched a lot of SVU, as you're aware. Um, I was always more of a like my my first love was uh, the original Law and Order. That was my okay. you know like a, a Sam Watterson like like you know eyebrows all the way. Um, but uh, I that's not what that is not what SVU is for me. Like like ah yes I like this episode. It's like kind of like when you have a like a podcast that you go to sleep to or something. It's yes. not necessarily that like I'm watching this. It's just SVU is on. And that's kind of that is that is the that's it. I'm engaged. I'm not like I'm not like spacing out, but like that's that's the extent that's like how involved it gets. Yes. I cannot think of literally a single fucking episode like be like, didn't this happen? And then there's like nothing. I can't right. think of a to single me, plot point. It's like watching a sitcom. It doesn't matter what the episode is. That's just like in the background. You're just here for the characters. Yeah. Saber's gonna lose his shit and like brutalize an innocent man before he gets the actual person that's yeah. guilty. You know, Olivia is like fully understanding of everything, trying to like always be there to help the victims and like improve their things and make sure justice gets served. Munch is there to like cut hard jokes. He's like, I've seen so many dead people. You have no idea. And Ice T is there to be surprised. Like twenty four seven. Ice T, yeah. You yeah. know, just and like, but I used to watch this because they see they see the wildest shit and it's the wildest crimes on regular Law and Order. I feel it's more realistic and I don't want that. That's not what I'm here for. I'm here for, you know, Wolf Cop. I'm here for Miami Connection. I want it to be like, oh my gosh, like I'm hiking through Central Park and there's like six dead bodies and trash bags right behind this bush. No, there is not, but that is just wild. You know, they'll be like, oh man, this person, you know, uh, like it's just the, the wilder crimes, the more ridiculous things. And that's yeah. always what I enjoyed more. I would say though, uh, for me, that's I think that's the difference. I think the Law and Order I love ADAs better. No offense uh, to like Jesse from Rent and uh, the main the main two cops from Law and Order, the regular one, but yeah, Lenny Briscoe. I, I do not remember. I was blanking on the character's name, but like I always like the ADAs better on original Law and Order, but I like the cops better on SVU. That made yes. sense. Like literally the only person I can remember on anything. I can remember um uh Mariska Haggerty. Yes. And I can remember uh Chris Maloney. Come on. That's good. Chris Maloney. Oh, absolutely. Chris Maloney, um, John Munch, Ice T, and Sam Watterson. That's it. That's it. Well, and then oh, there was that the other bald gentleman. captain. You remember the bald captain Kragen, the bald dude that runs SVU? I don't think so. It's always there was, like there was the other guy in the regular Law and Order that was like a larger Sam Watterson. It was like a slightly stretched out. You know what I'm talking about? Yes, I, I don't crazy? know. Yeah, no, I don't know who you're talking about. Like, they well, they rotate a lot of people actually. That people I don't know if you stayed with Law and Order. You know, Anthony Anderson came in for a time. Uh, Jim I Sistel. do remember that. Like, there's a lot of people. Uh, even uh, Mr. Big from Sex and the City. 
wow. is uh Jerry Orbach is who I'm thinking of. Yes, Jerry Orbach. Who's Lenny Briscoe. Briscoe? That's what I was saying. Yes. Now uh Arthur Martin was in there. Do you think realistically there is a more successful show in the history of time than Law and Order? In uh, terms of pure, like it's just consistent in the background. There's like 700 spin-offs, all of those are successful. I know that there is like I feel like as soon as you said that, there was like a part of my brain that was triggered, like, no, there's an answer to this. Like some weird show that you would not think, I think is actually the most popular show of all time and you're like what and it's like no technically speaking it's you know but um but I, as far as i can like as i'm aware probably um like csi has like a similar kind of like trajectory i think they were less successful um or mm-hmm. they, they were very successful for a short amount of time exactly it, most, most like, things yeah. have a short run where it's great bones csi um you know, Criminal Minds, NCIS, they, all these things. And like the only shows to my knowledge, though, that consistently can run for decades, like yeah. wrestling, which I'm not counting. And then like, yeah, Gunsmoke, like maybe because I had like 600 episodes. It was a big Western back in the day. But realistically, you have probably I'm guesstimating. I don't have exact numbers. But probably have like 600 regular Law and Order episodes, like 900 oh, yeah. SVU episodes. You probably have at least a couple hundred criminal intent episodes and you're they're starting the whole new thing with like these major crimes or whatever like the gang unit stuff that they do and it's like that's a lot of law and order and i'm just like that's i can't think of any other show like realistically it's not like a talk show like to the tonight show or something yeah, yeah. i can just like i can say it show it's been very consistent with its time and like it's always prime time and like throughout the day it's on reruns like constantly so that you know people watch it but for 20 years like it's just wild I mean, to me there are, I mean, it's longer than 20 years. It's definitely longer than 20 years. It's got to be. Because I was going to say, like, I feel like The Bachelor has been on for, like... Oh, you're you're absolutely right. Now. It's got to be 30 years, because Law Order started in the 90s. I, I know SBU started, it, it like, on, in the late 90s. Yeah, it was on before my brain was functioning. Like, I, I experienced no world without Law & Order existing. Now, I don't know if I existed in a world pre-Law & Order, but I do know that. I do know that, that I... I agree with you. No like, that... Dun, dun, um, dun, dun. yeah that's all oh, yeah. been a part of my life forever i mean it and i think wild. it will continue mm-hmm. to be too I, oh i think it'll continue in, in perpetuity i think I, anyway mariska hargitay can you name a role besides olivia benson that she's been in anything ever oh no 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 because that's all it is and she's been on this show for 20 plus well, years that's the thing though that was if you do one of these shows it's like you have that's why like agents frequently are like don't fucking do this if you have any interest in like doing movies or things like that they tell you no because uh that's all you'll be known for like i remember um the mom on the partridge family her her agent was like do not take this role like if you take this role you're never going to be in another film again you're always going to be mrs partridge do not do this and she did it and i, I think I to be fair the fuck else um, is she in? mr hargitay let's be clear i do not fault her at all because somebody told me, hey, Thomas, oh, yeah. would you rather struggle as an actor every day for your life and hope that every project you does succeeds because if it fails miserably, you could be the end of your career? Or would yeah. you rather take this $200,000 per episode contract for a 24-plus yeah. episode season every year for 20 years? Yeah, I, that's yeah, I'll take that's that. consistent income. That's that's like, like, it's like yeah, hey, would absolutely. you would you like to consistently make what, like twelve million dollars or somewhere? And like, it's been yeah. it's gotten bigger over time, obviously, but like a year on average for the rest of your life acting. And like you only need to show up like four or five days a week because 
an easy yeah. turnaround. It's not like, like I don't know. It plus uh Christopher Maloney, let's be honest, like he has done other things. What hot American oh, yeah. summer, you know, uh What's the rabbit one where he like bumps his head and he's, he's like the happy? I think oh, it's fuck. Um, he's been in a lot I, of stuff. I think, yeah, yeah. None of it's been like massively successful or been anything. Right, but we can back. think of it. Like it is a thing that like we 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 can be like, oh, remember that one show? I've got nothing for, for Mariska Haggard Day. But so it is interesting that like the, I mean, it's copaganda. That's what it is. Is Literally. It, it's, it's, Dick it's Wolf humanizing. loves the police. Yeah. But like, there has been so much of this that like in like I remember whenever I was younger, it was, you didn't think twice about it. Like, yeah, there's 150,000 cop shows on TV. Like that that's there's NYPD blue this week. That guy's butt's going to be on. It's going to be the biggest thing in the entire world. There's CSI. There's all these things. And like there are more. I would argue that there are more shows about cops doing cop things than there are about any singular profession in the entire fucking history of the planet. I think you are correct. The only back in the day, cowboy was definitely up there, but that no longer would so, be so case. Western cop, so, yeah, so, right? Yeah, 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 <laughs> like, yeah. So, so old cop. Yeah. I will, what I think we should bring back. Hear me out on this. I already pitched okay. this. Um, you know, Simpson eighty two podcast doing my brothers. We were doing um sh like shows that have been like canceled, but you want to have them bring back. And hopefully they stay good or like in a continuation like that 90s show from that 70s show. And ironically, I picked it thinking I was clever. And Chris actually thought of it as well. We both picked Columbo. We were like, why don't we just like have a new Columbo? Oh, it's yeah. just the nephew or the grandson or whatever. And it's Columbo again. We need the private detective show. Fuck all this copaganda. I like that term. Instead, yeah. let's focus on the Angela Lansbury, the serial killer who solves crimes and blames them on others or you know yeah. columbo give me a poirot show thank but you like, something yeah. any, not do not give me a foghorn leghorn show though i'm fine with the movies hell i would even take like bring back the dresden files or some shit like that like like have it be a little you know ha have it have a little bit of that 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 special sauce oh, but that people are no they're for. gonna bring back quantum leap instead and now here's you know, my question because in the new quantum leap i believe the person is uh, did that happen color. they brought back they brought it back Oh yeah, look at. I'm telling you, they have that. that I saw commercials for it throughout. Well, like I remember uh, hearing about this years ago, and I was like, "No one's doing that." They they no they, they no no they fuck. definitely did they definitely did. Is is Scott Bakula involved? I don't. 2022 Quantum Leap definitely exists. Oh, it's TV series. It hasn't even gotten canceled. In theory, it's still going. It has they have not 13 episodes. Nope. Monday, February 27th is episode Jesus 13 Christ. coming out. But yes, uh, Ernie Hudson's uh, in this. This is the part that I am curious yes. about, though, because like in, in Quantum Leap, the original Quantum Leap, Scott Bakula, Scott Bakula's yeah. Caucasian. The new person is a person of color, and my thought is, what happens when you go back in time and it's like, oh no, I'm just like in this person's body. I'm not really this person. Oh well, well then who are you if you're from a different time or whatever? Oh, I'm a person of color. What? murder this white man but that but no that's not how the show went like it wasn't like that scott bacula leapt back and he was like hey everyone just so you know i'm actually from the future Wait, i'm actually like, scott bacula that was not like it that wasn't a thing that happened like no i'm not really my sister like there wasn't there is weirdest fucking episode well no no the, the jfk one that was the that was wild. Um, but uh yeah, man, though that he that was not like a plot point, is that he like left a trail of breadcrumbs of people who were in insane asylums right after this. Um 
no. Uh, so how that do you understand comes the back goatness, like, oh, from the yeah. future? Yeah, it's but, not that yeah, he thinks that he thinks that Doug is from the future. Like, yeah, I don't fucking okay, get it, man. Okay, like, but here's what's more believable. Okay, Kel, let's say you still live down here, for example. Right. And it's like uh, somebody quantum leaps in my body. You're going to immediately know it's not me. You'd be like, oh, hey, what's up? Like, or you'd be like, yeah, like whatever the case is, or vice versa. You would not, like, there is no way a person that already interacts in this time frame or this world that you are currently inhabiting, somebody from a different century, let alone different area or dialect, anything, all of a sudden they're going to start acting super fucking weird. They're not going to stop everything they're doing and be like, hold on. You know how to do this. You've been doing this life your whole life, and now all of a sudden you don't know how to work a saw, or you don't know how to do this, or you well, don't, you know. I've seen quantum leaps. So I just be like, all right, I'm gonna let him take care of whatever weird thing he's trying to get done, and then Thomas will be back after that. Like it's 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 like you know that's gotta it's gotta be weirder for the person that like comes back because that's another part of it that we don't see is that you know Scott leaves and then that person comes back in their body at a point where they were not. Yes, it's just like all of a sudden, like, like whoa, 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 what the fuck just happened? I did like, what now? Like, it's oh yeah, they'll always be referenced. Hey, yeah. remember that time you saved the whole town doing this? What? I'm like, absolutely not. No. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, I have to go to the hospital. Yeah, or it's like it's like he goes back and like the person that he's hated for like his whole entire life is now all of a sudden his best friend because he saved yeah. his life and he's like, get the what, Daryl? Leave me alone. I don't. Why am I uh, married now? What's what's happening? Right? Yeah. It's gonna be yeah. wild shit. Wild. Yeah, shit. it it doesn't uh. Yeah, and I mean, just little things that I always think about that like maybe chuckle. Yeah, you know, I like the little uh, things. It's it's and it's an interesting uh it's an interesting thing to be served. Speaking of the little things, uh, I just want to go ahead and introduce ourselves. You know, I'm Thomas Stimson. That's Kellen Metcalf. We've uh been doing this now for like a hundred times, so I'm we kind of forget to introduce ourselves. Well, we're not sometimes. there yet. We we are getting there. We got we we're we're gonna have to do like a thing for that I you're right imagine. we will we will have to definitely do something okay. for episode 100 but that's like 18 episodes from now or like 16 episodes from now so we're fine uh in the meantime and in between time though we are here and i like to say you know some people some directors have uh mantra that they'll, they'll do one for you one for them well right. just to be clear this is one for kel thomas is also still down with this you know i'm you call me david drayden because i'm down with the sickness right now because I've always I've been wanting to watch this movie for a long time. Yeah, I don't. Really, I, I I think it's a stretch to say this is one for me. I'm just the person that was like, hey, you know, stalker, and you're like, hell yeah, man! Like that's exactly. Like, that's, it's like it's but it yeah. was it's it's what I have uh, been meaning to watch for a long time. Right. But had not watched yeah. yet. So when Kel suggested this, I was like, yeah, let's fucking do it because that'll yeah, be man. reason for me to watch it. So we're gonna be talking about Andre Tarkovsky's 1979 film Stalker, and. Let's get out of the way right now. This movie fucking slaps. It's a good movie. It's a really great yeah. movie. Have it's any great. of y'all seen it? Probably not. And you should because it's good. Yeah, it, it's interesting. Like talking on this episode, feeling like ah, uh, this is the this is the one that I feel like the, the least amount of people are going to be like, oh yeah, Stalker with Andre Tarkovsky, absolutely. More people were like Psycho Gorman, sign me up, than they were for this. Like the, that's that's the truth. Um, but if more you happen people, to be here, more people were going to be like. Yeah. Flubber, sign me up than this. Like that one. Yeah. That's yeah. sad. All of us that have a Criterion channel subscription, welcome to the show. Um, we we really enjoy having you here. Uh yeah, I mean, this is a it's a great movie. I had a I was chatting with Thomas before we started recording, saying that the reason I picked this was, you know, I started seeing a couple of articles come out recently. It's always interesting how this works. It'll be like 
everyone like remembers a movie at the same time. I I'm sure it's something less whimsical like that and more like tied with capitalism, but don't tell me. Um that like oh you know stalker this movie like oh check out this movie that that drove the the director insane yada 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 and so i saw this it's one of the highest rated movies on the criterion collection which is saying something um caddyshack is also in the criterion collection though so just like keep that in mind um well they have to make money somehow that's why armageddon and is caddyshack also is their cash cow dude they said that caddyshack um fight club and armageddon have made more money for them to be able to make probably 60 or 70 other films on the Criterion channel because of the money I mean, they make. I, I guess that does uh, Tootsie. Tootsie's got to be on there. Tootsie's got to be on that. It list. is the only issue I have with a lot with Criterion, and I don't want you guys to listen because I know that what I'm asking of you is pain for you guys, but it's important because we are all our film people. Um, they've done so many movies and they have only done so many on Blu ray. Now I'd like for you to stop sitting around doing nothing and go ahead and convert the ones that you made on Blu-ray or sorry, on DVD already and convert them into Blu-ray because I'm not buying a DVD anymore. It's 2023. I'm not buying a DVD, okay? Thomas, have you, have you seen them? these videos of the Criterion office? It looks like things are like, like it, it always feels like things are rough on these shelves. Like they spent $100 million making these DVDs. Like we have, I don't know, fucking like, I guess we have six uh, Blu-rays. There's one with Guillermo del Toro going into the closet there and there's like oh where are the blu-rays and it's like right here it's like a, a a shelf that's like a foot long he's like oh do you have this one uh where we're waiting on that one to come and we'll mail it to you it's like oh okay like it's it's no it's I don't even think I think in the closet the criterion closet now they don't have any of the blu-rays I'm pretty sure because if you look oh. at it, they're all the same height and they're all dvd height um I see but like they... I I'm gonna let you know a little secret. So I know you live in a small town, but I still live in a big one. So well, technically, you know. I live outside of a small. I live in a in a smaller village outside of a small town. But continue. Okay, well, I would live in what people would call a big city. Now, not somebody from a metropolis. They would not call that because that you know Dallas yeah. is like 20 minutes that way. But I still live in a city that has like 300 and something thousand people in it. Right. And we have this thing called Barnes and Noble, and they carry quite a few Blu-rays. I'm saying though, the issue is Tootsie. You can get on Blu-ray if you order it, but I've still not seen one in a store physically. Like there are things like that that are a minor problem. There's other ones like I'm not asking for 4Ks. Let's not yeah. get crazy. I'm just asking for Blu-rays for two reasons. One, the boxes are much smaller and you can fit them easier and more of them. It's just more compact. And yeah. two, it just it's the same price. Why would I pay $35 for a DVD and $40 for the Blu-ray? Like, come on, guys. Like, if you want to still make the DVDs, you need to make those, like, 15 bucks. Yeah, People I aren't mean, buying DVDs anymore. It makes it sense. Like, so what I'll say, and this is not, like, this is not, like, funny or anything, um, but, like, I think that the reason you do not see, like, a Tootsie Blu-ray uh, out there is because, simply speaking, from, like, the price that they they spend so much fucking money making these, these uh, Criterion editions that... It is much more cost effective for them to, hey, if you want one of these, come ask us for one and we'll give it to you. Rather than we're going to send 100,000 of these all over the country and hopefully they'll sell. It's Tootsie. Like, yes, I mean, it's that's amazing fair. Movie, but like, it, it's, it's, you know, it, like the, a, it's like, I'm, these are first world problems because basically if you order yeah. from them, it could be like two weeks to a month, sometimes longer, but you'll still get, it. but you'll just be like, <sighs> whereas if you just go to Barnes Noble, you can take it home and watch it that night. And I know what you're going to say. 
they have the streaming service. They do. And I'm glad that they do because it's, it convinces people to watch things that then they'll go yeah. by or get more interested in. But I'm a physical media person. I physically I just yeah. like, like having I mean, stuff. I... So I got into this conversation with a friend of mine recently who he also is like all physical media, like will not, won't, won't, he'll like stream a thing here and there, but he, if he actually was going to watch something, he has to like purchase it. And I was always like, and still am to a great deal. Like, no, are you fucking kidding me? Also, I just don't have space for like a, a large mm-hmm. collection of, uh, of physical media. Um, I was like, no. And then it started to be that like, you know, when um, fucking what, what's, what's that? Uh, there, there was some fucking show on Amazon, some animated series that uh, HBO did the HBO thing at, and then it was gone. And somebody was like, oh, well, I bought it from Amazon, so it's great. I have it. And then they went to go watch it, and Amazon was like, actually, you don't have it anymore. Like, we, like you, they, we no longer have the rights to that, so you do not own it. Um, and it's gone. Uh, so there is some part of me that's like, okay, yeah, I actually, mm, I get... What I will say though is that if that happens, I don't think you're actually looking very hard for it because if you're like, I can't find this movie online, yes, yeah. you can. Like, yes, yes, you can. <laughs> for me, the main thing that it doesn't happen often, but you know, the only time I feel truly validated and like just I, it makes me so happy on the inside. There are occasional times when you know the internet just goes out, not the power, just your internet goes out for whatever reason. They're like, hey, we're doing a or whatever the fuck's going on and it's like when that happens you're like damn almost every game that exists now you have to be online to play you can't be on the internet can't stream anything because you need the internet for that oh guess what i have all these movies i still have a blockbuster at my house i'll yeah. just pick something to watch well, until see, it see, comes back I, my thing with that is that i do not like other people for the most part so none of my games are all mine uh and uh i just read a book or something like that but uh you know it's uh look I want to I want to say something to you from the bottom deepest most inner beings of my soul. Yeah. My dog doesn't let me read, okay? I try it all the time whenever I'm reading, and I don't care if it's on, I'm reading up like on a table or I'm laying down. If I'm reading, my dog is always like, "You're not doing anything." I'm going to come put my paw directly on the book that you're reading, and here's my ball, and I want to play. For whatever reason, you if like... I have a Oh, I, no, I I think it's because there's no sound. So if there's sound, my dog thinks I'm distracted or I'm busy or I'm doing something. Yeah. If I'm reading, there's no sound. It's quiet. So Put on some ambient Barnes and Noble <laughs> music in the background. I don't know, like like right with your other hand, just doodle. Like it's it's a dog. I bet you you can trick Toph into thinking you're doing Look, something. I don't like to trick my dog yeah. because she is awesome and you know. Also, I don't know. I'm weird. I like to read outside. It's nice. It's nice weather. It's been winter recently, so I haven't read recently. But like when it's nice outside, I like to go outside and read. It's like you know, it's like hey, if I'm gonna like be using Mother Nature in between my fingers, I might as well be outside. And yeah. Be safe, you know? Yeah. While I, while I read from my uh, fucking Jeff Bezos tablet. Oh God, no! I'm also a physical book person. You know, I get comics no, and stuff too. But... I I have my my bookshelf. I got a Kindle, uh, like I think like my birthday, like last year. So I got a Kindle at some point. I don't remember when. Um, and I had that same feeling. Like I'm, I've always been very into like the kind of like tactile experience of interacting with like you know written word. Um, and it's also fucking very cool to like be in a cafe and be like. 
all right, well, I read a couple of chapters of this. Now I'm going to read, I'd like to read this other thing. And rather than having to carry around six books, I just hit a button and then it's there. I get that it's bad. I understand. And I can also do that. I can also, when I'm reading a fucking Salman Rushdie book, and once again, there's a word that I've never seen in my entire fucking life, I can hold down on the word and it tells me what it means. It's amazing. That yeah. actually is a good feature. You're like, I it also is. have a dictionary that I don't have to carry with me. Right, physically. yeah, yeah. Like, oh, hey, hi, I'd like a, can I get a venti caramel? Like, no, like, what are you doing? You're carrying around this, this like you have a with you. gigantic uh encyclopedia with you what the fuck are you doing well i'm yeah. about to read yeah. there's gonna be things i don't know so I need i've got 15 volumes of the encyclopedia britannica and i might need one of them you never know uh, exactly it's like which one yeah. do you want to start with it's like look first off you can fuck right off with like these six letters nobody ever needs these <laughs> and then we'll go from there but yeah yeah uh, speaking we, of, so we should talk about this movie, I guess. Yeah. That we have uh, well, it's been we've actually been like talking about it slightly because of you know the fact yeah. that Mother Nature, tactile, right? You know, now let's talk about one thing I do want to say to you about this film. That if you watch this film, you better appreciate it because this movie killed three people: killed Andre Tarkovsky, the director; it killed his wife, the assistant director; and it killed the writer, whose name I can't remember off the top of my head because all they, they shot this. At like some abandoned water plant thing or whatever and all three of them got some super specific rare form of cancer and everybody attributed it to them shooting the movie at this place as to why was it a nuclear reactor i believe that is correct yeah oh no no the problem was that the site they were at was an abandoned power plant factory thing but upstream of all this water that they're shooting in and around is another chemical factory plant or a nuclear reactor who's just dumping like porous amounts of chemicals and terrible shit into this water that flowed down to where they were filming and shooting and that's why they uh, well, well so did like alexander kadanovsky did he did he beef it like how, how did, no apparently I imagine he spent a lot of time in the water exactly as i read though only tarkovsky the ad and the writer that actually played the writer were the ones that got this specific form of cancer wow. and i was thinking as i'm watching this specifically the meat grinder scene, I think, is where it probably was. That was probably the contaminated water because that was when they're on the fucking steady cam and they're getting drenched with water as the writer is walking through and getting drenched with water on their faces and different things like that. And that that was contaminated water that was oh, coming from like, you, you know. know, I didn't even have the thought of like, in my mind, these were all like built sets. Like, I was no. like, okay, they, they built like this. Is what? No, it was just a fucking pipe that they found. Yeah, it was like, just 1979 oh, Russia, or let's be yeah. more precise. It's actually like 1976. Apparently, yeah. the reason why this, make, yeah, the, apparently why this film, yeah, Kel likes to point out Tarkovsky lost their mind because of this film, and the reason why is they shot all this film pretty much entirely in sepia and black and white, and then there was a house fire at the editor's house that killed the That's editor right. and burned like half of the film stock they had, so they had to go back and shoot this movie again like most like so that so any part of this film that's in color is part of the reshoot and not a part of the hence why tarkovsky said that's why they put uh parts in the film because the first part of the film is like the actual og genuine like footage they shot that and then they were like wow. fuck and they started so that's why there's a lot of like anything that's in color is not uh it was like reshot footage I mean, or whatever. to be fair though i like that like it, it is 
it very much works that when they're not in the zone, it's all in black, like sepia, black and white. And then when they're in the zone, it's all in color. Like I felt like that was a very nice, like it, it um, there was like a narrative to that, that I enjoyed. Mm -hmm. It's also, so, uh, you know, I like when you watch older films, what I love about going back and watching older films, especially like well-renowned ones, things like that, is it'll unlock things in your brain that makes, for me, it'll make me like things even more. Cause I'm like, oh my God, this is where you got this from. And this is like also fucking great. So like watching Stalker, yeah. the whole time I was just like, see Alex Garland, you think you're slick, but I finally watched Stalker and I know where you got half of your shit for Annihilation from. And I love Annihilation. Oh yeah. And I like Stalker a lot. And I was like, so I was like, I'm watching this I'm like, oh fuck dude, this is where you got this from? This is awesome. Like this is fucking great. Like the only thing <clears throat> or the most impressive part about this film, the thing that I think people should truly take away from this film as you watch it is there, the movie is a hundred and ninety. What does it say? A hundred and no, it's no, it's it's two hours and forty-seven minutes. So it's a hundred and fifty-three or fifty-seven minutes, or hundred forty-seven minutes. Some something, whether or no, hundred eighty. Yeah. So the mind, yeah, it'd be hundred and sixty-seven minutes. Okay. There's a hundred and fifty-four shots in this film. So the average shot in the film is eighty-eight seconds. However. That's not actually true. Most shots, most shots in this film are over four minutes long. Yeah, I mean, there, like there are just moments where there's a lot of like kind of quick cuts for, but like for the most part, like a lot of sequences are just like, no, it's just one shot of yeah, you living like, in the, a space the, and feeling the, the environment. Shot, the intro shot for this movie, like as I was like putting this on, like, oh, you know, I want to check this out. I, I would see if it like is a a movie that will work for the show. And it begins, and there's this fucking like pan, like this this zoom shot, like going through a doorway, which takes about a hundred years. And don't get me wrong, it's great. Like the, the this like these shots that Tarkovsky is doing here, and it's very clear that like that's that's his jam. Like he does that very often. It is it is a a, a constant thing that he's returning to. Um, it makes it immediately inaccessible. And I do like that he like puts that out for front and center. So it's like, hey, if this is gonna turn you off, you should leave. Like that that's I, I do appreciate that kind of forthrightness with uh mm -hmm. mm -hmm. with his style. Um, yeah, I mean it's the this movie clearly influenced a lot of uh science fiction works, especially anything that kind of like touches upon um not quite cosmic horror, but something adjacent to that. Um, but uh, a, a very specific brand, a la Annihilation. I, and, and, but also, well, like, I think. Do you think that if they had more money or there was more available, they might have done more in a sense? Because this movie has, like you said, the air of like cosmic. I wouldn't say horror, but like just like a otherness constantly throughout the film. But it's not. I would say it's not directly seen or associated until the end of the film and right. so i wondered a lot of times a lot of time I was, I was watching this i was like if this wasn't soviet russia and y'all weren't all like poor shit and had no money would y'all have put more stuff in this there's like nine people in this movie total yeah yeah it's like so here's my thought on that i do not think this movie would have been helped by any additional information I like that I we have no we do not leave this movie knowing anything more really for I mean like little little things but we don't really know anything about the nature of the zone that we did not know at the beginning. Um, uh, well at we the beginning not, they say a meteorite yeah. crashes in an area and they quarantine right. off basically. 
but like we where there's not like oh this there's this thing here oh this is it's doing oh this is the thing that's killing like there's none of that we don't they don't even like get to the the room where it's supposed to like where, where they go in like they have their wish fulfilled like they do not the yeah. the choice to do that wow like to be like okay we're here and like there are clearly like answers beyond this and we are going to pivot it is far more interesting for me to leave a movie with lots of questions than lots of answers. Answers well, look, are very boring. I, we can, let's just talk about the film as a general subject because I have a lot of thoughts and beliefs about it, but I don't want to. I feel like that's because, like you talked about at the end, when they choose yeah. that make that pivot, it like cements what the film for me is like really trying to be about and talk about. So I want to, right? But uh, basically, you see, yeah, there's a guy we're just gonna call him stalker because that's his name it doesn't happen yeah don't give him his name i think and he has a wife and a daughter and you know they're not doing great so he but he is a stalker a person that like will kind of ferry you and kind of knows the route to get to the zone and like how to survive that in there or whatever so people pay and then he's going to meet up with a writer and a professor and that he's gonna take them and to the zone that's all the the film more or less is about yeah. but it's actually about like a lot more than that like their interactions and the effect yeah. that the environment's playing on them and what's going on and also yeah. i think you know a statement on their society and stuff like that because obviously it is like very dystopian yeah soviet yeah. russia in yeah, 1979 like, <laughs> very like 1984 soviet russia kind of thing yeah i mean this so one thing that that uh I did like they came up for me while watching this. I just uh it's a little further on, but uh with regards to things borrowing from this, I don't know that this is going to I'm fairly certain that this will not mean anything to you, Thomas. There's likely one person that, at least that will this will mean something to. There is a podcast called Tannis. There's a narrative podcast that I would listen to. It's like good. Um it's it, you know, it's a I, I'm a fan of it. It's a PRA podcast um that Nick, Nick Silver does. And like he has like this um it's a very like kind of cosmic horror kind of adjacent weirdness. Uh, but there are like these there's an area where it's like there's very like weird shit going on and like you know laws of, of this that, and the other are very like hazy and to move through this area you need what's called a runner like you you were looking at like like be like looking for that you are looking for a runner and the runner like when they go through they're like they'll tie like things on here onto the different trees but okay this like shows through and like listening to that originally i was like oh that's cool like after watching this i'm like fucking that's stalker like the, yep. the, that is stalker like i was listening to it again the other day i was like this is just stalker i i do not i see you nick silver i see you i agree yeah. and so basically i feel like the, so we'll just talk about part one yeah which is just them on their journey to the zone because part two is when they get to the zone and i feel like yeah part one uh, it's fully in sepia and black and white and things uh, it's well i feel like more just about the nature of mankind like in you know the yeah nature of humans and things because they all yeah all three of them well stalker is taking them and talking about like the environment and like why it's perilous and what they have to do while they're also being shot out by the military and you know yeah having all these weird scenarios happen and things like how i feel like they take naps multiple times like i don't know if y'all are out there for like two or three days like, i don't know time seems weird yes so this is <laughs> i mean so i like the beginning 
it feels like it's setting like uh, stakes in a way. You're you're getting an understanding of like why it's so the like there are these people who and in the narrative of the film, this is like a common thing that happens, or, or relatively so. The people will go, they'll go into this room, you know, that's like the tradition of stalkers, like somebody who is a stalker, that's like a, a thing that's been going on for for like since the this meteorite fell. Um that you're getting a sense as to like why people are so like, I mean, obviously in any situation that's going to be an alluring thing, but particularly in this like blighted hellscape, this like concrete, like again, like like it, like a cistern, but like the people are living in uh, because that's what it's filmed in. Um, and, you know, everyone's nasty and wearing matrix clothes and like it, it, it's, it's a, it's a whole thing. Um, but I, I appreciate this and I like the um I do appreciate the establishment going forward that the stalker has a name. I don't remember what his name is, but he has an actual name, but uh that he is like he kind of like it doesn't suck, but that he's like, you know, like he he talks about later on in the film, like that this is this is it. Like anything outside of this is real shitty for him and he is shitty about he is not a good dad he is not a good husband like he is the only thing that he is good at doing and it's very like you don't really understand that as much at the time um that what is being set up but they they do it very well um, yeah beautifully and, uh, also like paired with how like uh you know how well he does like he, they've got this one lady who's like when they they get to the car and the uh the, the writer is just brought the writers some, there. Yeah, just like, brought oh, some she lady. wants to come with us, and he's like, "Get the fuck out of here!" She's like, Jesus Christ, fine. Um, but uh, which again, I'm like, what? It it feels like there's like bad information that's happening at some point in this movie because it's clear that he's where like, oh no, people got like this place is a murderous hellscape. Yeah, and yet no one's like, oh yeah, the place is a murderous hellscape. Be careful of that. Like that's that, that like that lady was like stoked to go in there. People. Well, were I like, think it's because she was like, because if you remember the writer, someone like, oh, none of this stuff's real. Like all that's the Maria Chagall's not real, ghosts, all this stuff's not real. A lot yeah. of you know you can bluster all you want before you get there because you know obviously you get there and it's like oh shit no it's definitely different. But yeah, I think yeah because it is, I think Bailey the stalker is like, no, I'm choosing who I'm willing to bring in or bring out because people do die or it is treacherous there are issues or problems so and i think because as you saw like when he was kept being like oh i'm validated like you know youtube both are good people blah, blah blah i would never bring you know a terrible person or somebody who's not evil or whatever i think that he was just like no this woman clearly is has bad intentions or would want to go there for nefarious means or whatever the case would be yeah there is um Throughout this movie, and like this isn't like a very deep revelation, but it is clear that uh, the stalker has like a, a um, I'm gonna say pseudo religious, but that feels like I feel like the, the not, stalker not is genuine. When you get to the halfway point of this movie, I feel like the movie just stops, quotes the Bible to let you know that the stalker is Jesus and he's trying to take people on pilgrimages well, to save them and like give them what they want and need and salvation or whatever. To an extent, but it feels like like the, the the feeling that I get from it is that this is like for the stalker, like this is like his like the, the, this is like the source for him. This is like his version of like God, whatever. That this is the place where everything. It's very clear that like just 
the space itself is essentially like holy to him and it feels like he is he's like that the stalkers are like priests of the zone that mm-hmm. you know they are they are operating on kind of a, a different level they're able to see you know like oh you know th- this you're not going to be able to make it through the zone like oh you you are this person i can see this from you um that there is this this uh element that is introduced there that you don't really get at first um in in this part one but they establish very much so in uh in the and also in part one part. um like they you know they get in the car take it <laughs> do some really car daring shit a... where they like oh wait no no i was gonna say yeah, yeah. car is a stretch but... no they, t- they like <laughs> yeah. take that and they uh do some real daring shit where like there's a train coming and there's no like while the guards have the gates yeah. open run through and then just veer off course real quick and hope they don't get shot by the military people of like and they're like well they're not going to chase us it's like fuck no they're scared of shit to come over here it's like yeah but that is still wild that that was your choice like right like the the so what that strikes me is because in me i was like okay they're not going to chase you you will exist after this though like you will exist and they will exist and they will remember that this happened like it doesn't feel like a very effective, incredibly oppressive, authoritarian regime if you can do that and then repeatedly. Is it feels later. like uh, from so what I gathered, this movie there's a lot of time where like they're like letting this one's not one of those ones where you have to do all the work. It's more mm-hmm. like no, we're giving you theories or things like with with this one. It was more like I thought to myself, okay, he doesn't come out here all the time to bring people and things. So for them, it's like, I was like, how often would this happen? If he brings them out, if he gets paid and then he brings them out like to me out like every once a month, let's say, then how many times does that train come? How many, t- you know, I'm, I was thinking to myself, how often is he trying to like sneak past? If it's like one out of 14 or 15, like maybe, yeah, they might be slipping because sometimes it actually nothing happens and they're like just chilling. It's like, like does I don't he know. Have, does he have a different way that he has to do this every time? Because I would imagine after time one, They've got to be like, okay, no, there's, there's, this is when we open, make sure that to keep an eye out because people in dirty rags will come through and we'll have to shoot at them. Like, but either way, they make it through, then yeah, I guess Kelsey, make it on this rail car thing. Yeah. That's, it's something. And I do love, I love though, like everything is thought out because when he's like, he stops the little buggy thing and it's like, hey, go up there and check and see if there's actually a rail car. He makes one of them bring a tank of gas because they gotta put gas in the rail car. But then when they ride this rail car, they get right to the zone basically. He just says, he like puts turns the rail car on and then like sends it back down the track. And that's why he sent them to go look for it because he's like, the last time I came, I sent it back down the track, and so it should have yeah. made it back here. And if you go, you need to go see that it, it did. But uh, this is when the professor and the writer start. I don't know. I would say like behave like they're starting to slowly lose their minds to an extent. But well, we see we start to see that there is a there is an element here that is not all um, not all together. It's not really that they're losing their mind yet, um, but there is definitely an element of that happening. Yeah, um, and yeah. Uh, this is when, as Kel said, you get the wing nuts with long bandages that you can like chunk to like make sure safe passages are safe or things are good yeah and so i do like there is there is one thing that i 
so this movie to me strikes me is it, it is essentially a dream that it the whole thing functions on dream logic yes like, there is no there is no setup for any single thing that happens anything that they encounter anything that they pick up anything they find it's just there like for example here he gets in the car there's gas there kind of like when you're in a dream and like you go to, to a place and it's like okay yes this thing that it, there's this thing here yes of course it's here there's not like a well okay i've got to see i'm gonna make sure is this the, do we do we have the gas can okay well no so we gotta have, make sure before we go there put the gas can there along with like you know that they have like code names and there's it, it's all like dealing in like this these like broad archetypes that is uh yeah it, there's just something interesting about it it's um yeah, do you have hazy. the yeah, you have like different forms of people. Like you have the the writer who represents like intellectuals who like think they know what's best or what's right or this that and the other, and then you have like the professor, the scientific person who looks at things you know more binary, right? And then you have uh, the stalker who's more belief and things like that. They also talk about Porcupine, yeah. who is the previous stalker that showed uh a current one that we follow around he's like yeah he talks about him that's a kind of running running theme about what happens for you finding that person's story throughout uh throughout the film but essentially they get do safely get there to the zone and then they have to go for, travel from the zone to the center where the meteorite i guess is to where the room is and this room grants you your most deep your deep deepest most inner desire like it'll and like if it doesn't kill you it'll grant you your yeah it's, it's one of those things where yes it will grant whatever like thing that you're looking for but it, it doesn't feel like it's like a it's not as simple as that um yes porcupine like he uh, like hung himself immediately after uh going into the room but you know there that is a further developed idea that it happens later on and so to me this is when i started really connecting annihilation because I, I was like you're essentially essentially you were entering the shimmer you guys are now in yeah. the zone we're going to be in color things are going to start getting weirder like hey, it's a lot of dream logic these things will happen they'll progress they'll go places then they like stop for a second and then like it seems like how much time has passed now you're like it's like the whole layouts come out before them and it's different and the stalker keeps them like oh every time you come is different you can't ever go back you have to go forward it's in this part where like some I feel like some key things start happening that are showing you like it is about faith and belief and hope, but it also like things do matter because the stalker and the writer are going and at one point the professor turns back to go get his his rucksack, you know, his knapsack, which we'll find out why later. And so the writer and the stalker are like, well, we can't like we have to go on like he's gonna be lost forever like that just is what it yeah, is th like, there's a whole like you cannot turn back or go backwards in any way while in the zone like the the stock was very clear like no you go you do not go the same way out the same way you came in you cannot go back like there's that this whole part seems very odd to me like and this is where we kind of get into this it's not like it doesn't make sense, but like in a way that feels compatible with the film as a whole, like the whole like him getting to his backpack and like that there's no problem whatsoever. And he's just like, wow, I guess you got to it. Like traditionally so, speaking, in most movies, you'd be like, well, that seems like 
fucking weird and sh- kind of shitty, but it works in this because again, it's a dream. So, yes, and I also think that when I you find out what the professor does have, I think the zone probably does know that too. And because mm-hmm. like they're not in soccer, it's like you can't have a weapon, you can't take a gun in there, like all these things. Like I think that it was like, oh no. I'm going to reroute you guys because this needs to happen. Like, y'all need to have the confrontation y'all are going to have at the end. Y'all need all these things. Because they, yeah, the stalker and the writer are continuing on the path. They think they're going forward. And then all of a sudden, they, like, come out of this cave and they're like, oh, how did you get ahead of us? And the press was like, no, what do you mean? I came back to get my stuff and you guys came. And like, and that's uh, there's this whole thing. The stalker has, like, a whole entire, like, mental breakdown. Where he's like, hold on, this place was a trap and a curse. We didn't, we still made it through alive. And like, we're all back here now. He's like, we're not, I'm not, we're not doing anything. We're not going anywhere for a while. I'm going to sit down yeah. and like, have to like, really like think this through and do all this Which, crazy like, stuff. To be fair, because what it seems like is that there is some like invisible monster that will eviscerate you. I would too probably be a little bit weirded out. Be like, okay, the only system I have found to work that doesn't leave with me moitered is throwing nuts and bolts around and tying them to things and then not going where that happens. And then this is no longer it. And so now I'm stuck in the middle of this place with a a vaguer set of rules about this whole thing. And there's also a moment, because it's funny, that the whole time they're really close to the room. Like they keep like, where is it? He's like, oh, it's literally right there. And like, what? Like, yeah, like right there, like, and it's like, well, I'm just walk there. Oh no, 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 we have to go around. Like the, sh- the shortest way is not <laughs> the straight line is not the shortest way, the quickest way sometimes. Yeah, and it's really does show that because when the writer's like, eh, I don't believe any of that nonsense. It's like, all right, and then he goes to like, try to walk straight up to the room, and he gets like maybe halfway, and then a voice shouts out that says like, turn back, you know, go back. And it's like, what? And it's so funny because the stalker is like, hey, professor, why did you say that? You should. It was like his voice. And then the professor's like, no, I I heard your voice say that. And then the writer is just like, whose voice was that? Like, nobody, like, it was just like, like, oh, he's like, no, the zone told you. They they yeah. warned you. They gave you it like a lifeline. They said, you need to turn back around and try again. Um, but I did, yeah, they, they're walking through water. They're, it's perilous. They're going like, like you say, it's like a dream. Like the layout makes no sense realistically you're going down like into caverns coming back up going through like pipes going through drain systems you know scaling stuff like going through windows like it is it makes it doesn't make sense but at and at some point you know a dog finds them and is like i think the dog is like not a dog i think this is the thing i think the dog is an alien i think the dog shows up out of nowhere in the zone accompanies them all this stuff like they all end up being all right i do like that the whole time they keep being like if we can't go back how are we getting out of here and the stalkers just like like oh no like we like we we don't like find a way out of here or like no way out of here like at some point like no way it it will like present itself yeah at some point it just like takes us out like it's like you know whatever like at some point one of these naps we have we wake up from and it's like we're at the bar um and so at this point, though, it's like they're starting to get closer, and they're there's a there's just a few, some fighting and things. But I, I would like to talk about the sequence before they even get there. Like this, that's your background, in fact, Kel. Yeah. Uh, I would just call it the sand dune sequence, which, which also the sand dunes that like, come out of the fucking nowhere. Like y'all were literally in a fucking building and turned a corner, and now there's like this vast open 
sand dune with a well that's easily two miles deep or something because that fucking rock took forever to splash like yeah so there's i'm i'm constantly struck watching this movie this feels like moving through like you know jung's con uh concept of like the the basement and like the, mm -hmm. the collective unconscious and like that you you know they, they see like the mind is like a house and like there are, there are these different rooms and you go down to the basement and you keep going and you're like are kind of like reaching back to um like a connection with with past and all this stuff but you're passing through these areas this feels incredibly reminiscent of that that it's nothing seems connected like no one place seems like it has anything to do with the place prior um they are all like very specific areas that um do not mesh in any way uh but it's uh so one thing I will say about these is that I'm kind of struck by it, and it maybe it's just that uh, you know the way that most storytelling in a films is uh, has spoiled me in a way. Like fucking nothing happens to these people. Like there's there is at no, all. Like there is there is like the there is an implied stake. There's like implicit stakes. There's like a sense of like kind of like dread and foreboding. But there, there is never any kind of. It feels toothless by the end of it in a way, um, so because there's what never I liked, like, yeah. It it seems like yeah, like evil fails and dies while the good pass through. But at the same time, he's like, it's not a guarantee. In that sense, it's more like a people who have given up and like only have hope left to like, who don't are miserable or you know things like that kind of get through. Because you find out Porcupine's brother died and he was like such a smart talented gifted person he got killed while using the zone um i think though the reason why it's so wild and why this time's different is because the professor should be dead because the professor turned back and they were yeah. like and that was the first freak out for the stalker and then the, the writer should be absolutely be dead one meat grinder Many reasons but then after the meat grinder like he said he's like you i told you not to like to stay at the exit right there, stop moving around. He just wanders off and does shit, like gets passes out, does all this stuff, and like like wakes back up, has this whole beautiful like existential monologue, and then yeah, and the stalker's you know, like, oh wow, you should be dead, like yeah, like literally like I don't know how happened. you're alive, yeah, and then uh, yeah. yeah, then like you say, <clears throat> they finally get to press which is the room, and there's a random telephone that rings, and it's just like yeah. what? It's like no, this isn't the clinic. I think. Obviously, this is why I say like this is where like the the cosmic or like the the zone itself has to be sentient or conscious because it knew that he had this giant twenty kiloton bomb, and yeah. so it made sure there was a phone available so that way, and it made sure to make that he knew the phone worked because it just kept ringing, and then when the writer picks it up, he's like, "What? No, this is not the clinic," and it hangs up. That's when immediately Russ was like, "Oh, I can call this piece of shit," and like do all this stuff and let him know but it allows for the writer and the stalker and professor to have a conversation where it looks like all hope is lost the professor wants to blow up this room yeah man not only is he just didn't believe in it he says even if it is real we like cannot he allow does believe in it yeah he's like well, we just can't it. allow zealots and you know you know hitlers and stuff to rise up exactly and what they want come here like yeah. And so he's like, yeah, so we have to blow it up. I'm going to destroy it. And the writer, who offer, was offered the chance to go into the room first and got cowardice because 
which is what I think is also the whole purpose of this film. So I'll save that part. But just, you know, let's get scared. So doesn't want to go in. So then the professor's going to go in, but he's going to blow up the room and destroy everything. Yeah, the, and, that the thing with the writer is interesting here because, like, yes, he's he's got the bomb, and we this is where we start to get like I, I love the the stalker's kind of like whole uh, shtick in this that he talks about again how we you know referenced earlier that he like he's like begging him not to do this that he needs the zone that like the the that he can't do anything right but the one thing that he can do is that he can bring people here and so like like you know like oh don't take this this thing from me and then the but the writer is like like no let's have this blow well let's, let's have him blow this up apropos of nothing it feels like i like, think yeah, that he's because the writer like losing got, it a little bit i think but. yeah i think the writer's more like losing his senses or is because he got scared of what his desire would actually be. And this is where I guess let's talk about Porcupine stories. Porcupine was like the best stalker there was. And did all yeah, these things and taught currently. Taught everybody and brought all these people and did all this stuff. But then um he sent his little brother through the meat grinder, thinking that because he was such a good and pure person that he would make it through fine. And that was not the case, got killed. And so even though stalkers were not supposed to go in the room, weren't allowed to go in the room, Porcupine still went into the room anyway. And, and this is why Porcupine committed suicide is because Porcupine went in there thinking, uh, what I want is my brother to be alive and my brother to come back. But that's not what the room gave him because the room knew what he actually wanted was to be rich. And so Porcupine, like it, it takes your deepest secrets, your deepest desires. Like it doesn't, it doesn't say what you like say yeah. you want it to be. It gives you what you actually want. And, and I think you Porcupine, have no say you can't be exactly. like, oh yeah, there, there's and no Porcupine realizing that he wanted money and to be rich more than he wanted his brother to be alive, drove him to commit suicide. And then on top of that, uh, I think that's why the writer, when he finds out that is this, so I think that's why the writer does not go in the room because the writer's oh, like, absolutely, yeah. I don't know what my actual deepest desire is, and I'm scared of what it would be. So I'd rather not know than. No, and plus the stalker too also is being like dude i don't the writer one thing the writer does bring up or i think so i can't say if the stalker brings up first the writer asks him but like have it have you actually seen anybody that went into that room and got their deepest desire be happy like regardless of what their thing was have they been happy once they got it or so that's why i think the writer's like i'd rather not know and i think the stalker is talking about his purpose and what he needs and all this stuff does to an extent let the professor not end up doing it because professor is ready but then you know the last second takes the bomb apart disarms it and they all just sit there outside the room and like just a massive swerve because yeah the point of this whole film i feel like is what the room signifies is it better like would you if you could have your deepest like most innermost desire given to you like, would you be happy? Would that actually solve your issues or fix your life or do any of these things? Or would you still just be miserable? Or would you still, like, you know, all these things. And that's yeah. the purpose of it. The purpose is not like, oh, man, like, I'm going to become the greatest writer of all time now. Or I'm going to do whatever. It's like, no. Like, I think that's what they were trying to tell you. And that's why when they just, like, swerve right at the end and you don't get any, like, they, like yeah. Like, they actually show you the shot of them sitting the three of them like just in a circle outside of the room and you're in the room with the camera looking at them from the room basically like they don't ever yeah. walk into the room they don't ever do anything and then like, 
uh, what I think happens is like you get there, what like the people that go in go in, get their thing, they come out. The stalker then like they all sit there, and I think then what happens is like I just kind of wake up and they're at the bar again, or things are happening. Like, uh, yeah, that's my theory, but I think that's what the whole thing's about, and that's why I think the stalker represents kind of like when he talks about like you know Jesus was walking with them and they didn't even know it. I don't think he's physically Jesus, but he means like a savior, a person that's supposed to represent like good and help you and like try to yeah. lead you to prosperity and lead you to like better things uh and y'all don't even realize it exactly y'all don't even realize it or yeah. know it or blah blah, blah. um it feels it, like I, yeah to, to me it's like so yes there is like the there's the room this is the thing they're trying to get to it's like oh this will have this and if we you, you spoke about and it's clear this that there is like a sentience of some sort attached to the zone um there is uh it's making choices. It, it it has an agenda of some sort. You know, it, it puts them in this area. There is electricity here. And, and like the stalker doesn't get like the whole time the stalker is confused about literally everything that happens. Nothing that mm -hmm. seems to happen here seems to be going according to plan. It feels almost like that the room is like that the room isn't the room, actually. That the the zone is the place that's really supposed to like it, it shows you like what you want in a way or like lets you know like it gives you opportunities and it seems like throughout this whole thing it's giving opportunities like it you know th with the phone with uh you know it not killing them for for various reasons um setting up like like different uh different situations there it feels like it's like giving them kind of chances for very specific types of self-exploration um and kind of like rather than the idea that rather than like the the treasure that you get from the room that it that it gives you that that's not it again it's it's the that like deeper understanding of like who you are at like the root because it feels like they all leave this place with a greater understanding of that even the writer who it's clear that like as he gets closer i mean there is like it, it it feels like he he's kind of like putting on this sense. I mean, it, you know, it's a writer thing. Uh, speaking as a writer, I feel like I can say that that like he's like trying to be like, oh, you know, like I have I understand like you know how how people are like yada yada yada. But as like he starts getting close to like an actual like there there is something that's happening here. There there is a tangible thing. There is like an intense fear that starts to happen there because it's all bullshit. And so it's he's, he's getting very close to kind of the understanding that it is all bullshit. Like what is really there and it's terrifying. Um, you get the, uh, I mean, with the professor, it's not certain, like real, the, really like clear what his desire is, but he he clearly has come to some self realization, and I actually enjoy that we do not, we do not have a a sense of what those realizations are. Like we don't we don't get a sense of their their inner workings there. But for me, my takeaway is, is like my understanding of the film is that that's what's happening in each one of these is that the stalker clearly has like in this moment, it feels like he has like a, a very clear, like uh, whether whether or not he had this understanding before, it feels like his, the the core of his desires are laid bare, that the only thing he wants is to be here. Like that mm -hmm. he, he is not, he doesn't really have an interest in other things. He does. And I mean, like at the end there, he's like, he like, doesn't even want to bring people into the zone. Mm -hmm. He just kind of like wants to be in there. And like the, that he, every time people leave, like he, he hates what it does to people, all these things. But again, these are people who go to the room and I don't get the sense that anybody else, this, this feels like the first time this has happened, that they've mm -hmm. gotten to the room and then they decided, actually, I don't want to. 
Like, I, I yeah. do not get the sense that this is a thing that has happened often. Um, I think that that they both, like, I think the professor was misguided, wanted to blow a thing up to make sure that bad people couldn't get to it, but then kind of, I guess, realized it has its own defense system to an extent. It doesn't need me to protect it or yeah. do other things. And then with the writer, I think it was more, yeah, I just want to find out who I am. I want inspiration. I want to, like, figure things out. I want to get... I don't want to be as apathetic about things. He did, didn't require going into the room. That was achieved throughout the course of like yeah. he, he achieved that by the well, I guess, in the sand dunes. So they didn't need it. And I think maybe that's why the zone did not kill them because the zone knew the whole time that nobody is going in the room. Yeah. I mean, it, you it, know, I feel like you could even argue that, and this is like pure supposition, but that the professor, what he found out he was really looking for there was like a sense of control over like from like a scientific standpoint like okay there's a zone we have no understanding of what's going on here it has the power to do xyz thing we've got to do something to stop it we can do something to stop it and at like that moment of him like taking apart that bomb is kind of like him accepting that like i have no control over this situation like there is no like like i like truly like there is not like a thing this is something that is beyond me is beyond understanding from like a, a whatever like Socratic method that I'm trying to apply to this. Um, not that he's like necessarily trying to, that is the, that's what the the writer thinks he's trying to do is like get in there, like make measurements and things like that. Um, and I get the sense that, you know, that has been done several times off or not. Like, I don't think that there has been added information that they have gotten from that. And I think that there is, you maybe that's part of the reason that this decision was made is you know hey we can't learn about this thing it's got to be dangerous um yeah i it's, think it's, uh, uh, it's interesting i also think it's really funny that like you know the stalker is miserable because like you say can't do anything doesn't offer anything this that and the other but then when they go back they get transported back boom dog's still with them and he's yeah. so he's feeding the dog and stuff and his wife comes to pick him up with the brings the kid, which made me think the whole time I was like, "Oh, are you really going to take your wife and kid back into the zone?" Because I would not recommend that. Yeah, you know, at all. But you know, whatever. Uh, it's the th dog. The dog is what he's looking for. Yeah, like, he's like literally. He, he's like, I want like somebody to, like like he wants to like have somebody to go. It's the dog. It's the fucking dog from the zone. Like it's it's right there. But and so okay, so we. Oh, hold on. Let's say it's, so. I did like the sequence and like with the wife. When because like at first she's just kind of like hysterically crying on the floor like I hate jail and then you realize like no oh. she really does love her husband and she's like I'd rather have this pain and the torture yeah. and the sadness she she I guess assumed that he was never going to come back which it feels like he always has so yes so why why were I mean whatever I think the main is because like he went to jail for five years I think was the main oh that he was gonna get like arrested and like yeah is what he her fear okay. or get yeah. shot in the face trying to drive behind that train like you know I mean there's yeah. really a Very lot of things stupid. that could have stupid uh but i did like that whole sequence like where she just talks about her perspective and her feelings on things and her view is stuff and i was like oh this is nice like i was not anticipating this random and then i want yeah then you can talk about the actual editing so, part if you yeah think. so this is where it kind of and i'm a fan of this kind of like this is the thing that's been done in other other films where you really get like the meatiest fucking scene in the entire like the only scene where anything actually happens honestly is when uh it's back at their home and well can uh, i say something really quick about previous at the beginning yeah. of the, at the start of it they all are uh the professor asks or the writer asks like why is the stalker doing this and stuff and they're like oh his daughter 
uh is like a zone victim or a zone baby or yes, whatever like she has like zone. Yeah. she has like no legs and this that and the other like her legs just don't work she has legs like just to be clear. yeah that, that there is a anyone who like you can't if you have kids with a stalker your kid is going to there's going to be something that is is going on with your kid like there is going to be an effect that is uh by virtue of i guess them being in the zone for as long as they did um but yeah so so his daughter monkey I guess that's the, that's her name. Code name. Um, it's got to be code name. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, who names a child monkey? Like the stalker does. Um, and uh, so they are at their home, and you know, she's just kind of like there, moving, like hanging out with some cups. And then all of a sudden, she starts moving these glasses with her mind and like knocking them off of this table. And it's just like as this train is going by and like stuff is shaking. It's a great scene. But it's like, okay, like what it I like this scene a lot because it kind of gives you a sense of throughout most of the film, like I've said, that it feels like, okay, there's like, you know, it feels like nothing can really happen here. It doesn't feel like there's like anything really to it. There's like a lot of like you saying this happens and like there's like vague things, but it's not really anything. And so you're kind of left with possibly like I can imagine somebody leaving and be like, okay, well, you know, whatever that this is kind of like a a point of uh it being like no the, the you actually don't fucking know anything about this you have no understanding of this whatsoever the fact that you have thought that you had got any gleaned any sort of information about the zone by doing this proves that you are, you are just as foolish as any of these other people that went into the zone um i do appreciate that i like uh, i like that kind of effort at being like nope sorry we didn't tell you there, there are things that we decided not to tell you yeah, just left yeah. purposely out of your knowledge. I really love this stuff with the daughter. It like I was got so happy because like I was like they were like oh she's a mutant this that and the other and I was like she's fine. But then when she started moving that shit and I was like yo, it's real. Like it, I already thought it was real. I already felt real throughout the whole film. But it's like at the very end they were just like hey it it is real. So and I think Hilda. one thing I didn't think about it. I thought that she probably had always had this power and like just wasn't telling anybody yet or anything. But then when you said this, it really made me it, it like switched everything up because like the, you know the stalker's crying and telling his wife how he's like miserable and he's worthless and all these things and he just doesn't feel like anything is good or happens. Like I think his wish was granted because then he like the dog comes back with him. The dog is from the zone. Yeah, the dog's in the house drinking milk at on the ground while his daughter's at the table bored, just like. Oh, it would be so cool if I could move these cups. Did I just move that cup with my mind? Although at the same time, it seems like she had already practiced it. Like she knew what she was yeah. doing. But like, she didn't I'm like, seem shocked. Like if I, <laughs> even as a child, if I was started moving cups with my mind, I would have some sort of reaction. Like, you know, it's just me. But but I do. I I think that there is. Um, I think that the beauty of this is that there is not a wrong answer there. There is there is not like because there's also not a right answer, uh, which again. Mm -hmm. Answers are not interesting. Questions are. Um, that uh, yeah, I, I I big fan, big fan of that. I like uh, I like what they're doing. Yeah. So let's. I mean, this movie, yeah, this movie's really fucking good. And this is, I would like to say, in my opinion, this is no knock towards you or any of our listeners, personally. But this is the kind of slow, like, artistic film that I enjoy and thought was very good in quality. Not the Green Knight or what was it? Beyond the Black Rainbow. Like those ones to me, by the time you got to the end, it didn't feel like the journey was worth it. It didn't feel like it 
there's not like a know? sense of like um I, and and I I will agree with that that you do not there is no there is no catharsis that happens in either of those moments there's not like uh the green knight you know got to the end of his no it's just kind of like okay you know something happened i still enjoy that movie but i will be the first to admit that like it 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 doesn't feel like you do not leave that movie with a feeling of satisfaction um same with beyond the black rainbow i think that the ending of it is the fucking wildest thing i've ever seen in my entire life it's the funniest fucking shit i have ever scene that that man just trips and falls and breaks his neck right at the end like it's it's it is comic comedic gold like 10 out of 10 million stars um but this there is there is a real sense of um that you like the like 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 the professor like the writer like the stalker you have left the zone with more than you went into it with uh which uh you know it 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 that's not nothing you know it, no it's, that it's do that. there's something to it and there yeah a film that's, that's so like little like kel said nothing like actually kind of happens but at the same time you feel like shit's happening all around you it's like jazz right. it's like is there, yeah. it's like is what is something happening yeah it's all around you like you know, it's, it's about like, the okay. invincible monsters that don't kill you yeah exactly exactly yeah. uh also i was like uh, this is this film taught me one thing and one thing only, and I was like, I didn't realize there was like a prohibition for hard booze in Soviet Russia. And they're like, no, just drink a beer. And I was like, hmm, this is the seventies. So I didn't realize that was, was a that thing. It was that a thing in, in real life? In the movie, it is. That's why I'm. A, but it's still set in Russia. They're not like all oh, it's set in some random country. Well, I know, they're like, I know that like um. There was a time period where like beer was, and I, I don't remember if it was in Russia or somewhere, but there there was some culture sometime where beer was like considered like a soda. Like beer was not considered alcohol really. Um, oh. but it was like, you know, that that yeah, you you can you can there's alcohol in it, but it's it's beer. Also, I mean, American beer is the one that's like, I mean, German beer too to an extent. It's the one that's like it's fifty five percent. Usually, it's like it's two and a half percent alcohol. Yeah. Um, but uh but yeah, yeah, so I'll go first um with my rating on this. So I I would say I'll give it two ratings. They're both gonna be high, but I would say I'm gonna give this movie an overall rating. I'll give it a eight, eight out of ten. But if I was gonna rate it in terms of significance or importance, I'm gonna give it a ten out of ten. Because oh, yeah. the movie it, yeah, it influences and adds so much and has so many shots and composition and everything that really is just mind-blowing and wonderful but i would say that there, I, there's a couple things where i'm just like huh what i mean i'm not asking for um it's, it'd be minor tweaks to get it up higher on the overall scale but i i think an eight is still a really good score for it and uh i would say i still like it better than uh similar movies that are, i would say are in terms of concept but like little happening Still like this way better than 2001 Space Odyssey, which most people would disagree with. But to me, I actually yeah. kind of like this way better. Uh, yeah, that's why it's eight out of ten. But I think everybody should see this. I did see it's on the 1001 movies that everybody should see or need to see oh, yeah. before they die. And I was like, yeah, you could put this yeah. on like the 100 movies everybody needs to see before they die list. Absolutely, it's it's great. I mean, I, I'll right out of the gate. Yes, I agree that this is. Um, you can still very much see the the effects of this movie in current the current media landscape with how we portray so many things in in uh, 
you know, in cinema with regards to this specific brand of science fiction, as we mentioned before, uh, Annihilation and, and uh, things of that ilk, Atanas, if you were. Um, I think that with regards to, yeah, my rating of the movie, I'm going to give it like an 8.7. Um, I thought the movie was great. Nice. I, I, the, yes, I loved the, um, like the actual like meat of the movie itself, but I was really uh, taken aback by the shots in this movie. Like the the one the the composition the the choices that they're making the uh, decision to really let each scene breathe in a way that I think makes most directors and I would argue most audiences very uncomfortable. Um, I, I like that. I, I'm, I'm a huge fan. Like, you know, you, you begin this movie and as you're going through this doorway, there's like an immediate sense of anxiety that you get because you're like, this is taking longer than it's supposed to. Um, mm -hmm. and, and I'm, I'm a big fan of that. And there's, yeah, there, there's something very specific that is being brought with regards to the camera work and the cinematography here that I, I am a huge fucking fan of. Um, also I want to say it is interesting that the only like the sepia parts of this, the, 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 like the ones that got burned were just the ones that weren't in the zone. It feels mm -hmm. like there has to have been a choice there. Like that there were I in think, fact other ones well, that they just- He said that it was basically most of like the final like ending stuff. So maybe he went back and just reshot other stuff too. It was like, fuck it, we'll make the zone be in color since like, cause like, yeah. it was definitely like all latter half of the film's like stuff that was burned. It Like the initial stuff they had already like- Right. Stored it away and- edited and done things like that again i think that this i think that in a way it's it's a stronger movie for i mean i've never saw the original cut of stalker obviously um but i think that from what i've seen i think that that is a, a very interesting visual choice here that probably would not have been made without that thing happening yeah um so uh yeah it really worked out and i thank everybody for hopefully making it through all of this and listening you know i know that not a lot of you probably have seen it. Please go out yeah. and do that. Watch on Criterion. It's a great film. Very worth your time. Um, I would also like to point out that next week we're going to be talking about another film that is very much worth your time. It's a little bit more current from 2019. A great old film called Ford v. Ferrari. Well, Christian Bale, Matt Damon action. Gonna get in there. You can get that on Hulu. I'm just going to save that one little minor task for Kel and make sure they don't have to do that later on by letting you know that's what we're going to be watching next week. So come tune in for that. If you would like to follow me, Thomas, you can find me on Twitter at Stimpy is King, all one word, no spaces. You can also come over Stimson ain't easy the podcast. I do with both of my brothers every week where we just shit on each other and have a great time. And we also have, you know, Stimson on nitro where we just talk about old wrestling episodes. Also really enjoyable. Everything else, Kel can let you know. Yeah, thank you very much for joining us for this uh, this episode of Unqualified Observers. Now, I know with regards to this evening's selection and our, our next selection, don't get it twisted. Thomas and I still don't know fucking, fucking anything about movies. And like, we, we are not, like we, yes, we, we have subscriptions to the Criterion Collection. However, most of the time it's just like hell yeah fucking cut that dude in half with a katana um like no we, let's let's make it very clear we will be back to uh stupid blood sprays and like well werewolf penises before and long i want to point out too india 
we see you. We know that you're there. We're going to get back to some Indian films. We're not oh, yeah. going to just only have RRR, the only thing we yeah. ever do. We'll, we'll do a Bahubali. We'll, we'll get there. Um, but that being said, uh, if you would like to follow the show, I encourage you to do so. You can do that by going on Instagram and finding us at Unqualified Observers. You can do so on Twitter at ObserveCast. You can also email us at UnqualifiedObservers at gmail.com. It's a great way to reach out, tell us what you like about the show, what you didn't like about the show, uh, give us things that you want to see us talk about, uh, you know, movies that uh, that really are, are favorites for you and your friends that you think that, uh, hey, these folks will probably enjoy it as well. We'd love to, t- to look into it. If you would please also as well, rate and review the show over on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It's a great way to help out the show. Uh, if you do so, you can you know expose us to new listeners, which is what we're trying to do. We're trying to grow, uh, and uh, we are appreciative of that little bit of footwork that we are asking you to do. Uh, we'll reward you by giving you uh, one to two hours of free content every week. So I mean, you know, I think I think it's a, a fair trade. Um, yeah. If you would like to follow me, you can do so at Cool Gollum on pretty much every social media platform except Twitter. We've talked about it. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get into it with Elon or Aaron right now, but uh, you know, you know, you know what's up. Uh, that being said, thank you guys again for joining us. It's been a wonderful time having you by the studio as always. And until next time, I'm Kellum. And I'm Thomas. And we don't know anything. <laughs>